In this episode of the Authentic Conviction Podcast, Joe presents at Ohio Nationals a virtual 2021 ABC meeting. While this meeting is specifically for advisors, his questions and comments relate to business as a whole. Enjoy. Joe, what is your background and how did you get into the financial services industry? So like I was telling everybody else, it's great to see everybody. It's unfortunate that uh, we can't be in person. This thing's been tough, but we'll get through it. But it's great to see some of these faces. Like I said, I miss you guys. But um, so, yeah, my background, uh, I was actually interning in this business starting in 98 and uh, was able to start in this business 22 years ago as just a regular old advisor and just quickly worked my way up and realized I wanted to be a coach and run my own firm and work through uh, in and out of the guardian contract. Some of you may laugh at that if you were ever in that situation. And I uh, was able to take over uh, the flagship agency here for Ohio National in 2009. And I was a pretty young guy. I was uh, That was, uh, gosh, 32 years old and may have been out over my skis, but I would have never let anybody know that in the moment. And, you know, my journey over the last 12 years has, has, has taught me a great deal and that, you know, I've, I've never given up production. I still, uh, you know, maintain and work a really nice book of business because I really enjoy prospecting and working with clients. But my story goes back even further, and I've shared this with Mike and a lot of you that know me already know this, but, you know, as a, as a seven-year-old, I, I lived in Kokomo, Indiana, and my father passed away of a heart attack while in the dugout coaching one of my brothers in a Little League game. So you talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy to be able to get into a business and, and serve people and help families plan and do the things. I, I genuinely believe that there's no coincidences and, and, and I was meant to do what I'm doing. But, you know, during the last 12 years and understanding that, you know, yeah, we've got, a, we've got outstanding partners in how we move product and how we distribute things to our client. The ultimate value of what we have is we have our own firm, we have our own brand, we have our own identity. And that's always in our control and we're not beholden to anybody to grow that the way that we want to grow it. So um, I've been fortunate enough to attend uh, every council of honor and or executive council since, since starting in 09. Uh, been able to qualify for an inner circle and also the UNESCO Institute meeting and was blessed. And I would say my, my most proud, I would say, achievement with, uh, with Ohio National has actually been being voted by my peers to serve on the field advisory board. Because to me, that is actually something that's, that's a, uh, you know, you, you're held in esteem with your, with your colleagues and your friends and, and your associates. And so it's been a blessing. Um, and I can't wait to, to continue to ride this out even more and keep getting better every, every year. But um, we've established ourselves, and I'm excited to share a little bit more about our brand. But that's a quick version of my path to where I'm at, Mike. How did your firm respond to COVID in 2020? Yeah, so uh, last year, as you always are all aware, it was a little bit of an interesting year. And um, I never... I've never, ever given up. In fact, I, I love when people tell me I can't do something because it just fires me up even more to prove somebody wrong. Um, so I kind of used 2020 in, in, in two, I would say, veins. Uh, the first one was, we're not giving up. We're going to work hard. It wasn't real easy to recruit, as you all know, because, you know, I, I held a conviction in that it's, it's when you're recruiting somebody in, you're bringing their families in, you're bringing their livelihood in. And when, when there's not a whole lot of financial certainty in a year like we had in 2020, you know, it wasn't an awful idea to temper expectations a little bit, but we actually had one of our best recruiting years ever because I realized that I got caught up, and I hope that you can all relate to this, but I got caught up 
realizing that I'm trying to be everything to everybody. And it's not a sustainable model in, in, in how you properly grow horizontally and vertically. So I just, I realized that when I'm doing something, I was doing it and I was giving people 5, 10, 15, 20% of me thinking having eight plates spinning was, was kind of keeping everything moving. In reality, I was making a lot of things good and saying, instead of making any one thing great. And so my decision I made was I need to start building infrastructure and levels of leadership. And I'm big on, on culture. I, I've, you know, I would say that everybody in and up and down the halls of this office, I can, I can look at you and tell you that I have a genuine care for them and a genuine love for them. And that's how, that's kind of the culture that we've built. But in order to extend that, you need to make sure that you're not, you know, uh, deviating from your vitals and what's important. So we found a couple, uh, a couple advisors that, that want to look to grow their team and help recruit and develop and bring people along the right way. And the way that we do that is through, you know, really quality joint work, setting that expectation early that we've set a firm up where we're, we're unlimited in our capacity to provide a what, but really, you know, and I know it's a lot, it's pretty overplayed, but with Simon Sinek's idea of, you know, we need to really focus on, on the why and the how and be focused on our processes and not just with the client, but all the way to the point in how we recruit and develop and onboard people into this business, which I personally think is one of the, one of the biggest gaping holes we have is a set consistent way of bringing people into this business and giving them a track to run on. So we really stepped away in 2020 and uh, literally created our own sales activity management software program so that as we do recruit and as we try to redefine who we are, we have dashboards for our advisors where they can log in and track their weekly activity and the manager, our sales managers can see it and it provides a report they can coach from. But it also tracks their process that they're guiding clients through so that we can more easily work joint work and be consistent in our communication with one another. So um, really, uh, not only that, but finally, Mike, uh, is we actually decided to hire a marketing company and have them take a look at our brand, which right now is Integrated Financial Network. We created that brand almost eight years ago. And we just wanted to know, does our brand match our vision and what we're trying to do? And uh, it turned out that, that we went through this whole process, invested some money, and actually created a new logo, new brand, new name, new everything that is a little bit more consistent with who we are as a firm and where we want to go in the future. And so we're actually launching a rebrand in, in the next month as well. So really took a step back to focus, Mike, ex exclusively on what is our brand. And in order to answer what is our brand, I think you need to know who you are and where you're trying to go. And so that was really a challenge that we put out for not just for me as a leader, but for our team. What kinds of technology and onboarding systems do you use at your firm? I've, I've learned the hard way that people have an, in a, an inability to give up on a loser. You know, it's like, oh, well, I've already put a bunch of money in. Those of you that play poker, there's this term in poker called pot committed. You know, where you put so many chips in that you can't give up on the, on the pot because it just doesn't make sense. Well, you know, I've realized that, you know, it's okay uh, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk quite a bit. Um, I know he has a different uh, tone of, and language, and, and that's okay because I, I really take the, the, the message out of what he says. But, you know, he operates under the idea that if you operate with gratitude and you op operate in a way where you're not afraid to take chances, it's okay to have 10, 11, 12 plates spinning, knowing that eight of them might fall. You don't plan that way, but I think we get to a point where if, if we have a project that we've been working on or something that is an, an initiative that we really feel good about, we're so proud about it that we're afraid to let it go and move somewhere else and spend our money somewhere else. And so 
my belief is that if we can if we can slowly onboard and bring people on the right way through sales management leadership and through technology to give them a track to run on. And by the way, that's not just a track to run on for, for 30 days and then they're off on their own. An actual track to run on for the rest of their career. I think moving forward, I think money should be more spent and is more spent in, in technology, onboarding, and, and leadership and management. And I will tell you, Mike, I acknowledge I needed some quality people. I found two diamonds in the rough that are, have been a huge part of our team. And I had to reach in my pocket to, you know, secure their, their, their income for their families and get them moving along. That was an investment I decided to make. And so what I had to do then is figure out, well, where am I taking from, from the bucket to, to put it there? And so I would say that when you take a, a step back and you take a look at the areas that you need to grow in, I think then you can, you can decide, okay, well, how can I, you know, pay for and get myself closer to that point of growing and what are the areas and then lay a plan out to do it. So it's going to be different for everybody, Mike, but I would say it's pretty evident if you actually take the time to look at where your goals were and your objectives were and where you ended up, it can, it, I think it shows you those deficits. How does your firm do strategic planning? Yeah. So what we do, uh, even in my first few years, what I did is I, 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 uh, elected a advisor leadership team. And, um, you know, there are people that have, that have been, you know, a part of this team since the beginning with me and we've, we've grown in our friendships and done a lot of business together. And so what we decided to do, and I actually learned this from my mentor who was at the guardian is we planned a two day offsite meeting and every year, um, the months leading up to it, uh, I, I can, I can make a plug here. It doesn't really, it's not anything, you know, for me, but if anybody's ever read the book traction, um, there's something called an EOS model, the entrepreneur operating system. And so what it allows people to do is it allows people to, uh, create what he calls rocks and, and, or if you can imagine them as, as, uh, you know, many initiatives or many objectives, you can, you can define what those rocks are, the things that you want to work on. So for us, it's, it's, you know, it's marketing, it's budget and administration, it's, um, recruiting and development. So you identify whatever those items are, and then you create those rocks and those leaders or champions for each one of those rocks. And then by the time you get to the point of the meeting, the one or two day detached meeting, everybody already knows that there needs to be some research done or some, or some work done on those items. By the time you get to that detached meeting, you can be very, very efficient with your time and your success and how you do it. So those annual business meetings I've seen a lot of like even my colleagues and people that I've learned from and look up to, and I know a lot of them do them guys in my study group that I've had for, for years. Um, and it's really just based around our side of the business, the, the recruiting, how many recruits you're going to have, how much premium are you going to do and blah, blah, blah. And what we're talking about, Mike, is that I think people need to step away from it and say, no, 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 I'm figuring out how I'm running my P and L better. I'm running, I'm, I'm a CEO of my firm. What are all the areas? I mean, even to the point, Mike, where, we decide how many happy hours are we going to do in a quarter? How many, uh, what are our charitable uh, organizations that we want to be a part of? Um, how do we want to do our awards dinner? I mean, there's, I think you, you can't really overdo it as long as it's organized. And so I would recommend the EOS system, you know, dig into traction. It's a fantastic way of, of, of managing your book, but approach your annual planning as a CEO, instead of looking at it as how many recruits are we going to get and how much premium are we going to write? Is there a training that helped you build the agency? So uh, Brian Moran and I've known Brian for years and it's funny. Uh, I see Dennis and Bruce and, and Compute, some of these guys, Jamie, Ch I remember Jamie was at one of my, it was in the Cabo meeting, but 
This goes all the way back to my days before coming here. And Brian did his periodization. We did the full two-day deal when I was at, at my previous firm. And it was absolutely life-changing. And I, I just, it, it resonated with me, even to the point where he talks about, like, if you're going to brush your teeth, don't brush your teeth and put on your, your deodorant at the same time. Focus on brushing your teeth. And, and the thing that I took away from that, anybody that hasn't done it, first of all, Brian Moran is a fantastic motivator speaker. I think what people forget is, is uh, you talked earlier, Mike, about what things people should spend their money on. When I was 32, I, I brought in a guy named Lou Casera to do a, a complete onboarding of my whole agency. And I spent almost $12,000 and up to the day before, didn't even know where the 12,000 was coming from. But I knew I had to do it. And, and I think what happens is, is we get caught up looking at, well, is this going to work? Is it going to get traction? I, and we have this skeptical mindset in, in bringing people in. But what we forget about is the value that we get in human capital. So not only does Brian have, and this isn't a commercial for Brian. I haven't talked to Brian in over a year. So, I, you know, have at if you want to call him. Um, I'm not his agent. But when he did periodization, it made me realize something that all of our agents need to understand, which is urgency. Because what he does is he says, if we could take a, a month into a quarter, a quarter to a month, month to a week, week to a day, now we've got the urgency to really attack every single day with a different mindset. And so that periodization and that 12-week year um, is actually something that, that I really helped me design our sales activity management software, Mike, because it's not just about the things you're doing to generate uh, a pipeline, right, your marketing efforts. And it's not just about who you have in your pipeline. It's also about the gray area in your life. You know, how you keep in balance with your family and, and, and with the things that are most important to you. So that periodization was a huge game changer for me, Mike, and still is. Tell us about the Apex 72 system. Yeah, so um, I'll just tell you, and I told Mike, this, this, we're, we're very proud of it. We actually created this system just to be an, an in-trust system, just right here in our firm, and it, and it grew so quickly and morphed, and I thought, the only thing I saw out there, Mike, was a sales activity management, and I used the SAM book growing up. But if you go on Google right now and you just type in financial planning, sales activity management, it, it, it's crickets. I mean, there wasn't anything, that, in my opinion, that really did what I wanted it to do. And then when you ask somebody, what are you using? They say CRM. And I say, well, that's not an activity manager. That's a depository of information. So what I built the system because um, anybody can find a cool toy or a cool tool that works for a short term. But I think the thing that makes it sticky long term is that it, it becomes uh, transferable and repeatable and has a system that can easily track via technology. And we learned that in 2020. So uh, the system that we use is called Apex 72, and Apex 72 actually has two levels of login. It's got a login for the advisor. So if you're if you're an AGA, your agents that you you recruited will log in, and and we did it on a point system. It's 72 because of the play on the law of 72. So we created a, a what we think is the perfect week, which is 72 points, which is a combination of all your marketing efforts to create a better week next week, and all the things you should be doing as a professional your referrals, your, your drop-ins, your calls, all the things that we train people to do. And then the other way to accumulate points is keeping your people mo moving through the process. And we say that that is connecting, uh, discovery, and then presenting. And then within, it's got other ways of uploading and it has a client login that they can see everything that you've, that you've done. And so uh, it also has an interactive fact finder. So you can actually just send a link and they can go on and fill the fact finder and it tracks all the progress for your login and theirs. Reason I'm bringing that up, Mike, is because 
that's for the advisor level and everything that they put in saves in their own CRM depository within that system. So the, uh, the sales manager can go on at any time and see how many points that advisor has that week and say, Hey, like for instance, sales activity, marketing, that type of thing is orange. He could say, you're a little bit low orange, but you're high blue. You got a lot of people in your process, but don't forget to market yourself for next week. And so they can go in at any point and have a drop down box as a sales manager and view any one of their people's dashboards. And then at the end of the week, it automatically generates a report that gets emailed to both the advisor and the sales manager. So it's on autopilot. So, and then it, it'll track a week. And then what I like to do, cause you know, you guys know I'm competitive is you actually can create a leaderboard for your agency so that you can track Bill's points versus Jane's points and, and use it as for sales contests and things like that. But if you don't have it where it's going to be transferable, transferable, repeatable, and consistent, but also automated, people aren't going to manually input stuff. You got to stay on top of them. How are you building your personal brand? You know, I, I would just say something th that I've, I focused on this year, Mike, as it relates to the branding side of it is I started to step back and look at, you know, I'm 43 and I've, I've, I'm building something of value, but None of us, I would actually argue, and you would all agree, the thing that makes us different in how we do planning versus a Schwab guy or gal or a Merrill Lynch guy or gal is that we don't just focus on accumulation, but we're masters at distribution, right? I mean, distributing wealth is the holy grail, and that's why we are going to have a job for as long as there is an earth, okay? So, but what we don't think about is we're no different, and, and, and we're thinking like a lot of our clients in that we're so focused on accumulation, in this, in this case, would be, you know, I have a, an old saying, when you're, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame, and, and we're so in the frame all the time that it doesn't allow us to see the beauty of the picture, and 2020 helped me step away and say, you know, what am I building for the long term? And so I asked myself three questions, Mike. Where do I want to be? What needs to change? And what am I willing to sacrifice to get there? And so those are three powerful questions. I, I bring them up to my kids all the time. They compete in sports and, and are very, very active. And I don't want to hear them complaining about something that they never worked to, to, to achieve, right? And so I just realized that we're in a digital age where people are going to vet you out. They're going to check you out. And so I worked with my team. I got an unbelievable team in, in my office uh, my staff, uh, my, my guy that helps me do all my marketing and branding is literally right over the computer right now, videoing what we're doing because it's not about narcissism. I realize that we can beat ourselves up so much, but we never take time to understand what our true authentic value is. So I decided, you know, let's build a brand. Well, what does that brand need to be? Are you, are you trying to recruit people, attract people, sell life policies, whatever? And for me, it was, I want to, I want to create a brand of who I am as a person. So, um, you know, we started a podcast called authentic conviction. Um, it's on Spotify and iTunes. And, and it's like, I get calls from kids. I used to coach, um, people in my old hometown of Kokomo, Indiana, all the time. And all it is, is us sharing our, our vision and, and who we are as people, but encouraging people to find their authentic conviction and who they are as human beings to make themselves more attractive to people that they're recruiting or doing business with or whatever. So, you know, for me, Mike, you, you know, as it, as it parlays with you talk about building a brand and, and, and focusing on that, I think even before that, are you focusing on, on who you are and what your true value is and what your convictions are and stepping away from being in your business and spend time on your business? Because I think what that'll allow you to do is, is start to think about how you can slowly start to build that a little bit better because it's easy to say, 
well, how's a podcast going to sell a policy or recruit somebody? Well, you know what? It may not tomorrow, but as I, as I commit to this and work on this and just invest maybe eight hours a week into doing this right now, um, you know, over the next three, four, five, six, seven years, when we get to our distribution phase and we want to have something of value, you're creating something of value. So I think focusing on that brand and how you can reach people in a more, in a more digital advanced era, like we are, you know, I think that's a huge thing in building brand, Mike. How are you recruiting for your firm? So, um, I think, I think balance. So the one thing that has actually driven more success than anything else really doesn't get reduced to experience or inexperience. It has been reduced to the strength of the relationship. I truly feel that people are going to be great. You know, uh, I'm trying to find, you know, five, 10 percenters because they're going to be great regardless of how good or crappy I am. Right. Uh, the middle 60 is, I think, where people struggle. And that middle 60 would be people that really need, they're going to thrive in a good management or leadership program and they're going to fail on a bad one. So, you know, for me, I, you know, I think my favorite group to recruit, uh, my favorite market would be career changers. You know, I love former athletes. I love uh, teachers, coaches. You know, uh, I would say former military that have had a little bit of professional experience, but they're sick of selling copiers or whatever it is that they're doing. Because people that have discipline and competitiveness are coachable and willing to learn. Now, let, let me say it this way, though, Mike. I think the future of recruiting and what is a, is a massive initiative and in what I'm doing over the next eight months, Mike, is I'm going through a lot of changes. I'm going to leave it at that. And, and, and change, as you guys all know, for human beings, we resist it. It's very, very difficult. In fact, it's, it's been very emotional even, you know, and going through some of the changes I've been going through because of, you know, sometimes that means you, you don't have the same relationships tomorrow that you had today. I will also say that the thing that made the relationship doesn't have to be the thing that maintains it. But, you know, when, when, when I decide that, that I want to have a different recruiting model, which for me is finding, okay, so Mike, are you aware of what the, what the largest segment of our population is in planners and or people spending money? Baby boomers, right? Okay. So we have a lot of people over 40% of our population of advisors will be exiting the business eventually, either via expiration date or choice, right? So, so when, they, when they're looking to leave, why am I not creating a model where I can refine people that fit our vitals? I won't bend on vitals. So I establish the things that they need to possess internally and otherwise. And if I can bring them over from another broker-dealer or bring them over from another, another house and then find and match them up. And I can be like Chuck Woolery and, and, and the, the dating game and, and say, look, we got a roster of career changing people that are slowly working up, getting their licenses. They're, they're up and comers, but they've got heart. They got culture. They got passion. They got competitiveness. And it gives them a two, three year span to pick the person that wants to take over their book of business where they can transition it that way. It's a win-win because you brought the book over. Most of them haven't written a lot of life and disability income insurance. So it's, it's usually primed and ready to go. And now you can partner them and use it as an onboarding and training for the people that may not have the industry experience, but have everything it takes to be successful. To me, that's the magic formula over the next five years. And that's where we're putting our focus.